Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number 877-973-7425. Should you wish to call in and be a part of the program? I actually want to start. We got some folks on hold still talking about the State of the Union. I'm perfectly happy to move on from the State of the Union as the rest of the nation will, but want to still take your calls, your reaction on it. Again, the phone number 877-973-7425. At the bottom of this hour, the red beans and rice recipe goes out. You want it? uh, Text the word recipe, just singular recipe to 33777. Now, uh, let's begin with Andy's call. Andy, welcome to the program. Hey, Eric. Great show per usual. Appreciate Thank all you, you. do. Um, I uh, I watched the State of the Union last night on ABC, and I admit, I, on the, after the speech, I sort of was in and out of the room, but I saw the Republican response. I don't know that they aired the two Democrat, Democratic I, responses. I watched and I just kind of wondered if it was. Yeah, and I wondered, is this a strategy, or is it was it a legitimate time thing, or um, I, I'd like your take on that. Yeah, look, they gave the speech. Um, they, they both did. I, I haven't seen anybody anywhere, I haven't even seen any clips of the Congressional Black Caucus speech, but Rashida Tlaib actually did give her speech. In fact, let me play a little of it. Uh, Andy, uh, listen, y'all, it be, it's Andy's fault. It's Andy's fault we're having a play. <laughs> it's not my fault. It's his. Let's l- listen to some of this. This is part of the problem that Biden has, and it's probably why no one in the media really covered it. President Biden's Build Back Better brought people together. We saw for the first time people who want to see childcare in the same room with those combating climate change. Folks working on housing justice in the same room as those working on health care. The president did that. Build Back Better did that. Build Back Better increases access to health care and lowers prescription drug cost. It funds home and community-based care for our elders and people with disabilities. Each of these investments would be life-changing. It also fights climate change with major investments in clean renewable energy, green jobs, and clean water that would transform our communities. It would uplift our nation by preserving and building affordable housing and investing in our children and families with affordable childcare, universal pre-K, paid leave, and free community college. And these are popular investments that would be paid for by making the wealthy and giant corporations pay their fair share. No one, no one fought harder for President Biden's agenda than progressives. We rallied together with our supporters, held town halls in our communities, engaged new people, and we even played hardball in Congress. But two forces stood in the way. A Republican Party that serves only the rich and the powerful, and just enough corporate-backed Democratic obstructionists to help them succeed. Wow. Corporate-backed Democrat obstructionists and Republicans blocked the progressive agenda. This is a woman in a bubble. She does not understand. It is not popular. Now, you know, listen, Democrats like to throw around polling. Oh, Build Back Better is highly popular. Do you ask people about the specifics? There are individual bits and pieces people like. But 
as a whole, people don't like it. And the progressives are in a bubble. They're convinced it's needed. And in fact, it's one of those things where they don't care that people don't like it. They think it's needed and necessary. That's that's part of the issue here, part of the problem with the way progressives have shaped this thing. And for them to tie Joe Biden to it, uh, that Joe Biden is the one pushing their agenda, they're the defund the police people. They're the defund the police people. And if they're the defund the police people and Joe Biden is tied to them, what are people going to think about Joe Biden? It wasn't smart for her to give it. And that's probably why there was such a, a, a downplay of the Rashida Tlaib response. And then, of course, you have Kamala Harris out there, and she's not helping either. 70% of Americans disapprove of the administration's handling of inflation. What do you say to those people who say, gas prices are just too high, I can't get peanut butter, everything costs more? What are you going to do? Listen, people are struggling, especially working people, in terms of the, the price of gas and food. And, and the, the reasons include what we need to do to address what happened through, through the pandemic in terms of supply chain issues, um, which was a reduction of the availability of goods, and so the prices went up. We also need to deal with one of the biggest issues, which is the cost of living. It's too expensive for working families. Yeah, uh, but it wasn't until Joe Biden became president. It's nice of her to acknowledge it, but it's a pretty damning indictment on Joe Biden. I mean, can you? how is she so bad at this? I mean, you've got to acknowledge these things you do. When you're asked a question like that, you've got to acknowledge, yes, things aren't great, but you need to deflect the blame from Joe. She can't do that. By, by the way, did y'all did y'all hear um, her explanation on Ukraine? She was asked in layman's terms to explain the Ukraine crisis. If you're watching any level of news, even social media, you're seeing everything that's going on right now in the Ukraine. Break it down in layman's terms for people who don't understand what's going on and how can this directly affect the people of the United States. So Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists next to another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So basically that's wrong. <laughs> listen, listen, I, I guess it, explain it at a kindergarten level. Um, it works, but how dumb does she think the listeners of that show are? I mean, how actually ill-informed does she think the listeners are? Now, some people, oh, of course, you conservatives make a big mountain of molehill out of, out of something like that. That's another, I, y'all, I, I mean, Russia's a big country. Ukraine's a small country next to that big country. And the big country, Russia, invaded the small country right next door called Ukraine. And that's bad. I do not like green eggs. Sam, I am. I do not like green eggs. I, I whatever it is. Oh, are we? Are we're not allowed to say? To, I'm sorry. Shame, shame. I quoted doc, Dr. Seuss. But I mean, you get my my gosh. How stupid does she think those people are? They voted for him. Pretty stupid. So I mean, I guess that's why she did it. But good gracious. That, I, that huh. <laughs> never mind. Never mind. Uh, you know, I, I have to apologize. Let me let me apologize publicly. 
every time stuff like this comes up with Kamala Brown or Kamala Harris, I, I get into Willie Brown territory and, and my mind goes there and it shouldn't. I have a deeply dark and demented sense of humor. country invaded the little country terry save me from myself welcome to the program hey eric i have a question for you you know biden comes into office and with a stroke of the pen he eliminates everything that trump did virtually my question if we take both houses how do we undo what he has done or can we uh, so there's a lot that we can't undo until the next president comes in because they're executive orders and, uh, we won't have a veto proof majority in the house and the Senate. What we can, however, do is do probative investigations and we probably should do probative investigations of the things that this white house is doing. What people don't understand is, is that, uh, and this is an unfortunate dynamic of modern America where, when a political party runs the White House and Congress, the Congress turns a blind eye to everything the incumbent president does. And that, I think, is unfortunate because, in large part, the president, uh, always his staff and bureaucracy do things they shouldn't do. But to avoid scandal, Congress doesn't look at them. When Congress is taken over by the opposing party, particularly in a midterm, they began to ramp up investigations. In fact, one of the things I think you're going to see happen is mass resignations of individuals once the Republicans take over. The same thing happens. It happened with the the Trump administration, the Obama, the Bush. When the other party takes over, eh, you've got to go through these withering uh, investigations by Congress. They haul you up there. They ask you all sorts of questions. The They browbeat you. And you just get tired of it. You don't want to put up with these people. They're doing it for show, by and large. They're doing it for, uh, for talking points. They're doing it for campaign ads, although you're not allowed to use congressional testimony or, or statements in Congress in ads. Uh, you, you can go out there on social media and blow people up with it. And look what I did. I asked them the mean question. And while you and I may like it and we may love it when the Republicans ask tough questions, I mean, the Democrats get tired of it. It plays to the Republican base. And what the Republicans hope to do when they do it, the same thing the Democrats when they're in charge and it's Republican in the White House, they hope it persuades independent voters and moderates to come their way. Now, one of the problems here is for the Democrats, a lot of independents right now, they don't like Joe Biden to begin with. They're really tired of Joe Biden. They're kind of exhausted by what's going on in the last two years. They feel it in their pocketbook in a way they never did with Donald Trump. So it's just going to be hard, I think, for the Democrats uh, when the Republicans take back Congress. And I say when, not if, because I mean, when you look at the polling out there right now, Joe Biden may get a little bit of a bounce out of Ukraine and the State of the Union, but I don't think it'll last. And in the generic ballot polling right now, I mean, it's, it's R plus 3.6 in the polling average. Uh, the Economist, YouGov, and the Politico all have the Democrats up. Economist has him up four. Politico has the Democrats up one. USA Today, Suffolk has the Democrats up two. But Harvard-Harris has Republicans up two. ABC News-Washington Post has the Republicans up seven. Uh, Republicans up four in the Fox poll, up nine in the Emerson poll, up 13 in the Rasmussen poll, up two in the Quinnipiac poll. Now, I focus on the Fox News poll. For those of you who are left of center here listening to me, you're thinking, well, of course it's Fox News. You focus on Fox News. But the Fox News poll 
has been more favorable longer to Joe Biden and the Democrats than any other poll in America. The Fox News poll, actually Republicans have been blasting it, claiming that it has a Joe Biden bias. So Fox News has not done anything to change its polling methodology. Fox News has not done anything to change the pool of people it, it draws from. So the poll for Fox News, the Republican criticism, is that it it interviews too many Democrats, that it's got a balance that benefits the Democrats when there's polling. So it's notable when the Fox News poll, which has not changed its methodology, has not changed its pool of people it calls on, has not changed the percentage of Democrats versus Republicans, when it shifts to the GOP after being so pro-Democrat, you got to remember, it predicted that Joe Biden was going to win. But its margin of victory was way higher than any other poll and, and more so than what Joe Biden got. And they haven't adjusted the polling. So when Joe Biden is down negative 13 points in his job approval in the Fox poll, that's really telling to me. Because it, it's been a poll that's been so skewed towards the Democrats. And now he's down 13 and the Republicans are up four in the generic ballot and Fox hasn't adjusted its polling methodology in the meantime, that's a really big shift. And that Fox is seeing this and ABC News, Washington Post is seeing this, that tells me there's something out there that the Democrats are fretting about and paying attention to and that the Democrats have changed all of their behavior in the last few weeks when it comes to COVID and all their talking points on the economy and the like. That tells me their internal polling, which is always more in-depth and deeper than the public opinion polling, the Democrats are seeing doom and gloom in ways they haven't seen before. Uh, you know what? I, maybe I should explain this to you a little more in depth. When we come back, I, I, I will talk to you a little bit about the poll situation just so you understand what you should be looking at and not what and the stuff you don't need to look at. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. The red beans and rice recipe goes out in, oh, about five minutes. If you text the word recipe, to 33777. You can sign up for it. It'll be in your email box. After 1.30, you text recipe to 33777. You can go to the website as well and see it. Now, let me explain this to you on, on polling. The reason I find the Fox News poll very interesting is that it hasn't changed its methodology. And for the last several years, Republicans have complained that the Fox News poll was biased towards the Democrats. And in the past year, the Fox News poll has tended to be more favorable to Joe Biden than other polling. And yet even the Fox News poll has cratered with Joe Biden seriously underwater in terms of popularity and the Republicans now in the lead in the generic ballot of who should take Congress, Republican or Democrat. The ABC News Washington Post poll is similarly situated, but the ABC News Washington Post poll is actually uh, less Democrat friendly than the Fox poll has been. So when those trends in those polls, which haven't changed their methodology, are suddenly shifting dramatically, that's a warning flag for the Democrats. But we've got public opinion polling and there's also private internal polling. Now, I need to distinguish between the internal polling that's um, public and private. Some campaigns release internal polling that is designed to be a press release. So, for example, in Texas, Alan West, 
who ran for governor and lost, released a poll that showed him dominating the second place spot in in Texas and that he was uh, on the verge of winning this thing outright in Texas or at least getting into a runoff with Greg Abbott. The poll came out last month and he was crushed in the actual vote. It was a poll designed to generate a media narrative. It was never intended to be an accurate poll. In fact, we should probably shame that pollster for even participating in it. When a a, a campaign releases an internal poll for the public, it is designed to be a press release. David Perdue in Georgia released an internal poll uh, showing why he was running, showing that he would crush Brian Kemp in the election. And then all the public polling came out and it showed Brian kept crushing him. But he got a news story out of it to justify his entry into the race. There's also internal polling that's done by campaigns that is not meant to be released. Where a public poll will interview a thousand registered voters, an internal private poll for a campaign may interview 2,000 and may weed out very precisely who those people are. Uh, These polls are very expensive. Small campaigns can't do them, but statewide campaigns and presidential campaigns do them all the time. They do very in-depth polling with a large number of people who are vetted. We know they're registered voters. We know where they live. They're randomly sampled in a very good sample from a pollster. They're asked in-depth questions, and they get a good eye on the race. Remember, Donald Trump did this polling in 2016. They knew they were going to lose the popular vote. They knew it from their polling, but there were signs to them that in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and a couple other places, they might pull close and could potentially win. It was the internal polling. The polling of the various firms internally to campaigns tends to be still, to this day, way better than what you see in public. The public polls from the pollsters for the media, they're not great polls. You never should focus on the number. What you should do is focus on the trends. So for like Fox and ABC News, when they shift dramatically towards the Republicans, you know there is a trend they're picking up. The number could be wrong. The number could be off pretty significantly. But it's the trend line that you're paying attention to. When you follow the polling, follow the trend. If you want to get a better sense of the overall polling, look at the polling average Look at the Real Clear Politics polling average, which is the gold standard. They take all the polls, good and bad. They don't use their own biases to weigh them. They just let them be averaged. And even in 2020, the Real Clear Politics polling average outperformed pretty much everything out there, including all the other polling averages, because of their just take it, add it, average it. Follow those poll trends and follow the averages if you want to get a sense of where things are. Programming alert for you guys in the third hour of the program today, actually an hour from now, uh, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert of of Colorado is going to call in and talk about uh, her yelling out to Joe Biden during his speech about the 13 uh, soldiers in Afghanistan who were killed. You know, the media is trashing her today, saying that she did it while Joe Biden was talking about Bo Biden. It's not actually true. She did it before he got to that in the speech but yet they're trying to tie the two of those together. I just, I feel compelled to play some audio for you. And some of you aren't going to like this. And I just, I, I gotta, listen, Joe Biden lost his son. It is a very sad thing. But 
it's also, I think, very notable that Joe Biden almost uses it as a crutch. I mean, you got to be delicate here, but I mean, just listen to this. This is this is Joe Biden. I'm sorry. Well, let me. First interview I've done it. My beau, my son, he made me make a promise. He said, Dad, I know no one loves me more than you. And he said, Dad, uh, I know how much you love me. And he said, Dad, I know no one in the world loves me more than you do. And he said, Dad, I know no one loves me in the whole world more than you do. And he said, but Dad, promise me you're going to be okay. Promise me you're going to be all right. Promise me, Dad, you're going to be okay. But you got to promise me, Dad. Promise me you're going to be okay. He said, Dad, look at me. Promise me. Give me your word as a Biden. But Dad, give me your word as a Biden. Give me your word as a Biden. You're going to be okay. But promise me. Promise me. Promise me you will be. It wasn't promise me, Dad, you're going to run for president. And he, it wasn't promise me you'll run for president, Dad. It's not, it wasn't about running for president. Not about running for president. Just walk away from things I've devoted my whole life to since I've been 24 years old. From the time I've been 18 years old, I've been involved in causes from the civil rights movement to the environment. We talked about this, Stephen. You understand this better than most anybody. Today, Ellen, you know it. Better than I, you have such empathy. Just promise me, Dad, you're going to stay engaged. And he made me promise to stay engaged. Every morning I get up, I ask myself. Probably shouldn't say it this way. Every morning I get up, I ask myself, is Bo proud of me? Is he proud of me? Am I, am I meeting the requirement that I promised him I would do? And anyway, I'm going too long. I apologize. No, no. But, okay. This is this but, is in part but, why we want to talk to you. But I'm, I'm making this up. I know I maybe sound like a father. I hope I. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> Look, it affects him. We shouldn't downplay that. Having to tell my wife she was going to die. It affects me. So I get that. But there is something more to it here now where Joe Biden tends to bring Bo Biden into statements and stories and at times that they're not necessarily appropriate and then uses that to avoid any sort of criticism for the underlying statements. I got a heck of a lot of sympathy for him losing his son it's clearly clearly affected him but it's also now something that that the white house seems to believe can be used as a shield to avoid criticism lauren bulbert calls out joe biden for the 13 soldiers in afghanistan in what he called a tremendous success they died he doesn't bring that tremendous success up. He doesn't bring them up. She calls him out for it before he even references Joe Biden, Bo Biden. And the music, like, oh, he was going to talk about Bo Biden and you interrupted him. We're all sympathetic to that. We're all sympathetic. But it doesn't, it doesn't convey to him a shield to avoid criticism. It doesn't. He's profoundly impacted by it. It has profoundly affected him. 
But my goodness, my goodness. Um, I just, I, I, I don't think you should I look and, and I'm the decorum police here. I, I don't think Congresswoman Boebert should have done it. I, I think it disrupts the state of the union. She did. She's going to come on in the next hour. We're going to talk about it, but I, you got a creditor that had she not, I think everyone in the media would have just moved on and never mentioned he, oh, he didn't mention Afghanistan. He didn't mention those soldiers. And I think you kind of gotta, you kind of gotta do that. Now I gotta move on here because I, I'm I'm running behind on a lot of the other stuff that I've wanted to talk about in in this hour. What are we gonna do to contain Vladimir Putin? Uh, it appears in Ukraine now that the Russians are just basically baking in the cost that they're unpopular and think they can just take over the country and the people will fall in line. And I don't know that they can do that. Uh, I want to bring you up to speed now on some of the Ukrainian situations and where things are. Uh, there was a plot to assassinate uh, Vladimir Zelensky, uh, the president of Ukraine. The Ukrainian National Security and Defense Council chief, uh, Danilov, announced during a briefing Tuesday, Ukrainian forces foiled the assassination plot against President Zelensky. It appears the Russians were sending in Chechen special forces. They're the most battle-hardened Russians. They fought a terrible war against uh, Muslim insurgents in Chechnya. And those Chechen special forces were, Kadrovites uh, is their name, they were sent in to eliminate Zelensky. And in fact, they themselves were eliminated. Now, what's so interesting here is that a member of Russia's Federal Security Service who doesn't support the war is the one who tipped him off. Now, we don't know whether that's true or the Ukrainians are trying to sow in, in, in some distrust and dissent within the Russians, letting them know they have a leaker. Although, we're doing it as well with our intelligence. It's remarkable the amount of intelligence not only that we have, but that we're releasing, that the Biden administration is releasing. Some members of Congress aren't sure they should be, but they are, and if anything, it might be sowing some level of paranoia within the, the Russian apparatus. On top of that, 2,000 civilians now have been killed since the Russian invasion. The Russians themselves have lost 498 soldiers in a week. For perspective, do you know how long it took Americans to lose 498 soldiers in Iraq, in the Iraq war? Any guesses? 10 months. It took us 10 months in the Iraq war to lose 498 soldiers. The Russians lost that number in a week. Ukraine has lost 2,000 civilians. Some of them run over by tanks. There's horrific video. I haven't wanted to watch it. I know it exists. It has been described to me. It is confirmed as real that some Ukrainian citizens decided they would throw Molotov cocktails at the invading Russians. Uh, the Russians killed them all. And then the Molotov cocktails fell from their hands and burned their bodies alive or burned their bodies as they were dying. The Russian plan to sprint to Kiev and force a swift capitulation has faltered under the Ukrainian resistance. Uh, Russian forces are taking towns and cities in the south and intensifying the bombardments of cities like Kharkiv in the east and continuing to funnel forces towards the capital. They're trying to surround Kiev in large part because 
foreign support going to the Ukrainians is tending to flow from the west side of Kiev into Kiev. Now, oil has also gone up. Energy costs continue to spiral. Uh, west Texas Intermediate, the U.S. oil benchmark, rose to as high as uh, $111.50 Wednesday morning before the markets open. Brent crude, which is the European reference point for oil, climbed to $113 as the sun was rising this morning. That's the highest oil has been since August of 2013 for reference. That's a pretty big deal and is going to affect prices in this country and around the world. Not only that, uh, benchmark European natural gas prices have soared uh, more than 60% this week. Investors are panicking about the supply disruption. Uh, there's a record high of 194 euro per megawatt hour on Wednesday, which is high now in dollars. Let's see, 194 euros to dollars. The conversion for you, so you have an idea of it. So that's $215.93 uh, per megawatt hour on Wednesday. That was the highest it has been. While all of this is happening, uh, we're essentially have put in a trillion dollars worth of sanctions to collapse Russia's economy. This is from CNN Business out of London. The West has responded to Russia's invasion of Ukraine with round-the-clock punishing sanctions. The latest salvo is designed to spark a banking crisis, overwhelm Moscow's financial defenses, and tip the Russian economy into a recession. Never before has an economy with the global importance of Russia's been targeted with sanctions at this level. According to analysts who say there's now a high risk that Russia will face a financial crisis that pushes its largest banks to the brink of collapse. Western officials have described their campaign as an economic war meant to punish President Putin and turn the country he leads into an international pariah, even if it takes years for sanctions to destroy the defenses of Russia's fortress economy. We will provoke the collapse of Russia's economy, says French Finance Minister Bruno Le Maire. Uh, according to a local news channel in France, Russia's status as a global energy supplier will make that mission more difficult. Europe gets nearly 40% of its natural gas and 25% of its oil from Russia, and any disruptions to those exports would cause already elevated global prices to rise even further. Yes, it would. So now what are we doing here? This is one of the interesting factors here. So we've cut off Russia's two largest banks from direct access to the dollar. We've removed some of the Russian banks from the SWIFT system, the global messaging service that financial institutions use. We're trying to prevent Russia's central bank from selling dollars and other foreign currencies to defend the ruble and its economy. Nearly a trillion dollars worth of Russian assets have been frozen by sanctions. We're not just going after them. We're going after the Russian oligarchs as well. We're freezing their assets. Uh, what, uh, Roman Ab Abramov? Uh, has decided he's selling uh, his football club, Chelsea, in Great Britain. He's going to sell it. Uh, some of their yachts have been seized. The Finns seized the yacht of a Russian oligarch earlier this week. Uh, we are seizing property in this country. I guess civil asset forfeiture. I've been trying to get a handle on how we're seizing the private property of Russian oligarchs purchased in this country. Apparently, we are. I'm not yet sure on the legal basis for doing that or if they can challenge it. But we're trying to do it. Since 2014, the Russians have tried to stockpile uh, a lot of uh, cash, particularly American dollars, in order to withstand any sort of pressure on Russia. Uh, it's not working so far in large part because a lot of their cash hoard was in the United States. And now American banks can't send them their cash. That's a problem. 
I, I do have to say there's a crypto angle here too. What good is cryptocurrency when you can't convert it into a currency? Um, Coinbase and a couple of other apps with their cryptocurrency, they're not going to shut Russian citizens out. Now, they may have pressure brought to bear on them by the foreign or international relations groups out there and the various governments to do it. But if you can have cryptocurrency, but you can't actually convert it in, in Russia to a currency, what good does it do you? I'm not sure unless you can get out of the country and then travel and have access to it. A lot of people saying this makes an example of why you should have cryptocurrency, why Russia should have cryptocurrency. I'm, I'm just not sure. It seems like the, the better transaction is to have a pile of American dollars and keep that stash somewhere where you can get direct access to it because American dollars are going to be accepted everywhere, even if cryptocurrency isn't. That's probably the play they need to consider moving forward. In any event, uh, there is a worldwide effort now to crash the Russian economy in hopes that there's then internal pressure against Vladimir Putin. And the reason this is happening, you need to understand this, is because... Vladimir Putin doesn't see a way out of Ukraine without saving face. And if he can't get out of Ukraine and save face, he's not going to get out. And if he's not going to get out, well, then we have to build pressure on the Russians to get him out of power in order to stop this nonsense in Ukraine. The Russians, however, look like they're digging in for the long haul and this thing could last a while. And the Ukrainians will not be able to stave it off unless something changes. Now, speaking of change in the air, the Eden Pure Thunderstorm can bring change to your air. See how I did that transition better than what Joe Biden did last night between his transitions? The Eden Pure Thunderstorm can transition your air from smelly to pure. You go to EdenPureDeals.com. You put in my discount code, Eric3, and you get three of the Eden Pure Thunderstorms. They're air purifiers. They are slightly bigger than your hand. They're not that big. They're highly portable. You can put one in your suitcase, for example, and travel with it to clean out the musty or tobacco odors or other odors in a hotel room or rental car. You can plug it in your rental car. I do. Man, I have had some rental car disasters in the Eden Pure. Clean the air on those things. You could do it and use it in your kitchen. I use it when I fry uh, shrimp in the kitchen because my wife hates the smell of shrimp and it cleans the air. It doesn't mask it. You don't have to use essential oils. You just run the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. And you can get three of them for less than $200 by using the discount code ERIC3. One for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for the basement or your RV, wherever you need it. You go to EdenPureDeals.com. You use the discount code ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K, the number three, no space. And you get less. Uh, you get $200 off. You get three of them for less than $200, and you get free shipping. The website, again, EdenPureDeals.com. This side of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Wherever you are nationwide, they can help your business grow. If you need access to large loans, $750,000 and up for your business, reach out to First Liberty, see if they can help you. FirstLibertyGA.com is the website. You can get all their contact info there. Tell them I sent you. FirstLibertyGA.com. Now to the phone, Susan, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program, Susan. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, something that bothers me about Joe Biden and his son, Bo, and, and I feel for him because he's lost a family member to this, but um, I feel like he, yes, he does use it as a crutch, but also he crosses a very fine line. He also exploits it for his own self-benefit, I think. Um, I've had cancer. Seven years ago this month, I had cancer surgery. 
I lost my mother to cancer in 1974 when I was a kid. My father died from it. It's all over my family with cousins. It's all over the place. And I, but I don't sit there and harp on it any time that I can wedge it into a conversation. And, and I just sort of feel like he goes into a lot of mental gymnastics to keep bringing it up. And, for example, you do it, you bring it up, but I think you do it in a manner that helps people in that you're emphasizing the importance of being proactive when you get a diagnosis and you still have problems to keep at it because doctors do make mistakes. They do make this diagnosis. And so I think what bothers me about Joe Biden, say, compared to your story, is that he he's using it for himself. And when you tell your story in, your, in, in conjunction with your wife's current uh, cancer battle, I think you're doing it in a manner that benefits people. And him, he's yeah, just using a victim you know, narrative. It reminds me, someone uh, sent me a note while you were talking, that if, if we remember how he's used it the last time, uh, it was when those 13 service members died in Afghanistan. And when the parents complained about the White House response, he basically said, well, I, I know what it's like to lose uh, a soldier as well. My son, Bo, died, but he died of cancer, he didn't die in the battlefield and not because of American orders. And a lot of the families apparently were taken aback by him trying to claim that he could uh, understand what they were going through and dismissing their rage at the government because of what happened to Bo Biden. I, I just, I'm, I feel for the guy, but it just seems he wants to use it as a shield to avoid criticism, and that's that's a problem. Now, when we come back, uh, I do actually want to talk about baseball and what happened in Texas last night. And Congresswoman Lauren Boebert, at the bottom of the next hour, is going to call in and talk about her yelling out at Joe Biden last night in the State of the Union about the 13 dead soldiers in Afghanistan. It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. You got the economy. You got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building. You want to build a building. Reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.